The Final Frontier. I'm Comrade Britain. And I am Stephen Gilmore. These are the voyages of the starship USS Costco, our ongoing mission. To explore old Trek episodes, both the most based and the bastest of all time, <laughs> and to boldly go to 1950s New York! podcast is here. One half vegan, one half queer. Gay, 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 a hundred percent communist. Unless we have a left leftist guest. Patrick and Bratton. Talking, joking, farting and shitting. All about Star Trek. Like our buttholes, this show is red. Soy Trek, the podcast is here. So listen to Soy Trek right in your ears. Whoa, whoa, hody do do Everyone's going to the hoedown. Oh, the hoedown. We're going to make it a showdown. A We're going to go and whip out our meaty sticks. It's time to whip out your <laughs> cock, boys. Oh. Or cocks. You said meaty sticks. I thought you meant Slim Jims, so I just brought a bunch of those. <clears throat> uh, you don't call your cock a Slim Jim? <laughs> a, a Slimothy James? A Slimothy James. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's his full name. Has anyone ever done like, I'm the, I'm the Slim Jim. Yeah, I'm the real Slim Jim. Yeah, someone's definitely done that. I'm like, damn it. No. <laughs> No, I think that's a unique idea because it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, that's probably. I, I, I don't think anyone would think of that on purpose. Yeah. I, I think I think I answered my own question. Yeah. Like, what doing saying that? I was like, who would have thought of this? And, then, and you're like, no, no one would. No. <laughs> Someone did, but then they quickly squashed that and went to no, a better idea. Yeah, the, uh, they they thought of it and then they put the gun in their mouth. <laughs> Like, well, it's over for you now. Mm. Hell yeah, boys. Oh, uh, man. You been down to the shipyards lately? Sucked a few sailors' dicks? Oh, uh, no, I haven't. Bummer. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I guess you don't live in Bremerton anymore. No, I don't. Yeah. Not moved a, to Bremerton? Yeah. I not as many dry docks around. I moved Seattle. to Bremerton, and it, it sucked. You could definitely suck a longshoreman's dick, I'm sure. Yeah, probably. If we're calling them longshoremen, they sure have short penises. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No disrespect to our uh, longshoremen friends listening to the no. podcast, but you do have a short penis. We love our longshoremen. But I'm sure it's fat. I'm sure it's very, like, girthy. It's what, yeah, they call them Coke cans. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly. why I call a longshoremen a Coke can. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what they like to be called. <laughs> Let's go, go down to the docks and just call them all Coke cans. They're hey, like, Coke can! <laughs> <laughs> hey, cocaine, get over here. Park my car. <laughs> They're like, what the fuck you say to me? <laughs> I say cocaine because <laughs> you co your dick is short but really, really thick like a cocaine. <laughs> How'd you know? How'd you yeah, yeah, me too. How'd you know? <laughs> Whip them cocaines out. Let's make a six pack. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's why they call me vending machines, because that's where the Coke cans go. Yeah. 
that's why they call call me bottle deposit because i stick my dick into those recycling machines <laughs> and that's why you can't use them anymore <laughs> yep that's why they banned me <laughs> from the kroger store yeah um, all kroger properties the kroger inco- incorporates a lot of grocery stores fred meyer mm-hmm. ufc yep like they're all king connected. supers king supers in, king supers in colorado mm um yeah they, they they take a lot of property yeah so that means you can't go to any of those no it's just like it's it sucks with everything being a conglomerate because if I, I whip my dick out in one place i'm not allowed to go like any place any place you know you, you I, it's like i fucking like whip my dick out at a chili's and suddenly i'm not allowed in the un building yeah what you go in you whip your dick out in a chipotle uh-huh you're pretty much banned from all food franchises after that subway I mcdonald's i whip my dick out in an elementary school <laughs> suddenly i'm not allowed in any elementary school yeah excuse me i gotta keep 100 feet away from elementary schools now uh looks like someone is on the sex <laughs> forever yeah. <laughs> yep yeah yeah, mm-hmm. and that does like mess with your housing. Cause then, yeah, it does. Like, so we don't talk about like housing justice for people on the sex offender registry list. But wait, didn't we on on a podcast recently? Was that us? Maybe. Was that me and my brother? That might have been you and your brother. brother. <laughs> yeah, because it's kind of fucked up. It's like something that is not restorative justice in any way. And I find it's super weird because a lot of leftists have the most conservative views on sex offenders. And they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, sex offenders should be like put in prison camps. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Yeah. Like <laughs> s- some people are in the sex offender registry list for like asinine ideas. Like they made porn with their girlfriend when they were like 17 or something and it got leaked. And they're on the sex offender registry list forever. I mean... Yeah, there are definitely monsters on the sex mm-hmm. offender registry list who should, you know, be kept tabs on for pretty much ever. But those people have according sentences in parole s- series for mm-hmm. things like that. Whereas, you know, uh, there was this guy in high school who at the state fair, he got really drunk and there was like a ticket booth and there was a door there with like uh, where the door handle would be. It was just like a hole. And so he went and stuck his dick in the hole. And he's on the sex offender registry list for life. Damn. Which is fucked up, I think. Yeah. Right? I, I think this kid's an asshole and an idiot. And yeah, he should get punished for doing dumbass bullshit like that because it's unacceptable. But mm-hmm. being unable to live within, you know, in some communities, like a mile of a school, like it's, it's, it makes housing impossible to find. Yeah. And like good housing because good housing is near schools. And especially like if you have a kid, like it then penalizes a child by not being like be able to live within a walkable distance of a school and mm-hmm. like not being able to be dropped off by their parent at their school. Yeah. It's like, so what, what's a kid to do? Like it penalizes a kid into having to take like unsafe conditions, like constant public transportation when they're very young stuff like that it's it, and it's and you know that yeah it, it just fucking sucks yeah it's it's really fucked up all because he thought there was a glory hole at a carnival yeah right <laughs> at a county fair whom among us has <laughs> not i have almost stuck my dick into so many clown holes before i was about to say those clowns that those you spray clown the, holes. The, 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 you spray water into yeah, their mouths. no <laughs> you i gotta stick my dick in one of their mouths you know they're they're drinking that piss all day and stuff i'm like yeah you're a dirty boy aren't you you're a real dirty boy like, but that would definitely put me on uh the sex you know you know what's a um a missed opportunity at, mm-hmm. at county fairs is they should have that game in the urinals in the bathroom 
what missed like no <laughs> oh i thought you were saying it's a missed opportunity like <laughs> m-i-s-t no 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 go in there and play mist you're gonna go to the bathroom and be in there for like five hours yeah. playing mist yeah um, like i don't understand the red and the blue book what the fuck is happening <laughs> no I, oh, if you go to a urinal it should be the clown the mm-hmm. clown face and yeah. you pee into it and you can start it i'll start start peeing at the same time with other people oh yeah and then like there's a balloon that will inflate at the more you pee and then and then pops at mm-hmm. and that's a game that you have inside the bathroom yeah wouldn't that be like a balloon full of ammonia <laughs> is that why they inflate i thought it just hits a button that's why oh yeah you might be right i'm yeah. not sure yeah because i think it just i think you the spray hits a um a button that releases uh, helium into it or something. Right, right. I yeah. was thinking it, it or had the the water fill it up and it exploded. Uh, no, that would suck. Yeah, if it was like actually getting filled with piss, <laughs> that, <laughs> that would rock. And then just pops. So then, like you're playing the game, and then it's, everybody loses. <laughs> everybody loses. They all get peed. They all get peed on. Yeah, it's better to get pissed off you know, and pissed on. You know what I'm saying? Don't release. Don't release this podcast for a little while. I'm going to draw up some um, some papers, uh-huh. and I'm going to get that copyrighted. Yeah. That idea. Okay. I'm going to draw up some blueprints, and um, I'm going to submit them for the urinal clown c- clown piss game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think clown mouth urinal is <laughs> clown, probably the clown best. Clown mouth to- urinal. Clown mouth urinal. All right, hi Shark Tank. <laughs> <laughs> hey Mark Cuban, big, big big fan of your your radio on the yeah. internet or whatever, man. Yeah, hey sharks. Uh, so I, my idea is uh, this uh, a carnival game where you pee into a clown's mouth and it pops a balloon, and then you get to be the best pisser among all the other guys at the urinal. Then mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we'll whoa, get whoa, whoa, Mark Mark Cuban here. Um, <laughs> do you get covered in piss when the balloon pops? Absolutely, you do. Count me in. <laughs> Give this man a billion dollars. <laughs> you have full access to my bank account. <laughs> Make this happen now. I need I need the prototype in my in my own restroom. Stat. <laughs> Can the balloon be my mouth? <laughs> what if well hear me out here? I was the clown. <laughs> <laughs> what what if the real clown was my ass all along? <laughs> so my face goes here, right? Yeah, Mark Cuban. <laughs> I just want that piss, piss douche, man. All right, and, piss so, and so the more I get my mouth peed in, I squeeze this button and it inflates the balloon above my head. Uh, yeah, Mark Cuban. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a billion dollar idea. I think you're right. Yeah. The, the, the clown mouth <laughs> urinal piss contest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clown Mouth Urinal, the pissing contest. There you go. That's the full mm-hmm. name of it. it. It rolls off your tongue. Yeah, it's it's a good like movie title. Clown Mouth Urinal, <laughs> the pissing contest. Yeah, I can see it being like a cult type uh, of um, game that eventually gets a movie made out of it. Mm-hmm. I just realized that we're talking about this and change it for one of the best episodes of Deep Space Nine <laughs> ever made. One of the most important, important it's, Deep Space it's, Nine. It's one of the best episodes of any show ever made, e- Any show ever made. Uh, like, like, everyone should have won a fucking Emmy Award for this for this show. Yeah, they should have stopped making Star Trek after this. Like, this is the magnum opus, and I'm talking about a pissing in the clown mouth. 
<laughs> you know what? Sometimes you piss in the clown mouth. Sometimes the clown mouth pisses in you. I need to. I need to show some respect to this episode because it is, it is, it is the best one of the best. Yeah. episodes. So today we're reviewing uh, Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, <clears throat> season six, episode thirteen, "Far Beyond the Stars." Yes. Uh, released first on February. 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 Lousy smarch weather. Yeah. <laughs> February 11th, 1998. <laughs> oh, man, that's fun. Uh, it is the 136th episode of DS9. Uh, and actually the 135th released. So there was uh, one. It was not released in order. The teleplay is by Iris Stephen Bear, who we know is the mm-hmm. showrunner of uh, Deep Space Nine at this point and from season four onward. And also Hans Bimler, who wrote 26 episodes of DS9 and 10 of TNG, including Who Watches the Watchers, Yesterday's Enterprise, and on DS9, Favor the Bold, Trials and Tribulations, Sacrifice of Angels, and uh, the uh, finale, What You Leave Behind. No, oh, nice. So he's, uh, he's responsible for a lot of good Star Trek out there. Uh, yeah. Cheers, cheers <clears throat> to Hans Bimler. Bimler? Bimler. Bimler. Boimler. Uh, and then this episode is very notably directed by Avery Brooks, yeah, who uh, directed an episode or two before this and mm-hmm. uh, after this. But this is, I think, inarguably his most important episode. Yes. And, uh, you know, we talk about it quite a bit on, like, mm-hmm. uh, my interview with uh, David Crenning Seitz, but Avery Brooks has a strong history in the tradition of black radicalism, mm-hmm. and uh, especially in his like one-man show of Paul Robeson, who mm-hmm. was like a black scholar. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so he he brought a lot into this role, and both his direction and his acting are ten out of fucking ten. Yeah, eleven out of ten at all times in this episode. Mm-hmm. It is beautifully crafted. Yeah, like from start to finish. Uh, and it's it's really just like a very Cisco episode, a Cisco centric episode, and it really shows like the depth to which he knows this character and which he feels this character. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really really quite important. Um, <sighs> do we want to jump in? Yeah, let's do it. So we open on Cisco receiving news from Kira that the Federation is facing more casualties and he's losing more friends in the Dominion War day by day. After she leaves, his dad comes in uh, and says he's worried about Ben, who confides in him he doesn't know how much more he can take of this war, and suggests maybe it's time for him to step down and let somebody else make the hard decisions. Nobody wants Cisco to leave. We all no. fucking love Cisco. Could you imagine though if he did? No, <laughs> That'd be funny. That would be a crazy <coughs> thing for yeah. him to like leave with Jedzia. Yeah. He's just like, you know what? I've had enough. And then like he never fulfills his prophecy or anything. That would be wild. <laughs> um, he kind of almost does in like, um, kind of, a, kind of presumes he does in um, uh, what? What's the episode with uh, Jake where he ages? Oh yeah. Um, God, what's the name of it? I don't recall. It's on the tip of my tongue. But yeah, that really good episode with Jake. And yeah, it just shows him in the future and where he never, he, I guess he presumably never fulfills his prophecy that he was supposed to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, like, he's he's important to this and especially like to the war. Like, the prophets, they only communicate through and with Cisco. Yeah. 
you know, and that's pretty clearly seen. Like uh, several attempts are made to like communicate with the prophets, especially by uh, um, Kai Wen. Mm-hmm. Like really, I was watching an episode the other day of of her like really trying to talk to the prophets, and they just don't even care about her. No, it's great. They they yeah. think she's bullshit because she is. Yeah, she's forever forfeit from the celestial glories. Mm-hmm. Yep, she doesn't uh, get any of them. She does get to be uh, at the celestial glory hole, though. <laughs> that she, does. she can suck some prophet dick. Or do cock. Do cock. Do cock. Do cock mish. 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 McConnell. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Cool. <laughs> so, um, uh, Ben hallucinates Brene Abergenois in the 20th century suit and wonders what's happening to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, who is that? Mm-hmm. And uh, we then see Cisco talking to his girlfriend, uh, Cassidy, in the hallway, and he hallucinates Worf as a 20th century baseball player and asks his girlfriend who that was. She's confused. Mm-hmm. He enters the room he was in and is transported to 1950s New York where he's hit by a cab, <laughs> like a fateful finding style. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Julian checks him and says he's got some strange neural patterns going like the ones he had when he had visions from the prophets. Bashir asks him to look at the readings and suddenly Cisco is fully in 1950s New York. Aaron Eisenberg, playing a newsie, talks to him about sci-fi and says he likes war stories better. He's met by his colleague, Albert, played by Colm Meany, who walks with him to the office, indicating Cisco, who is now called Benny Russell, is popular among his colleagues. Credits open. Yeah. Credits open. So, we're transported back to 1950s New York, and we have no idea why. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great, great opening, I think. Yeah, yeah, it makes you go, huh, what, what what, the fuck's happening? What the motherfuck is happening? Give me some more! <laughs> so we reopen on a writing office, and we've got all our favorite characters here. Kara, uh, sorry, Kira is playing a woman writer. Bashir is playing a British writer, notably not coded as brown or Middle Eastern as Alexander Siddig is, but instead mm. British, which he also sounds is. like. Yeah, in his... Um, uh, and Armin Shimmerman as a Jewish sci-fi writer who immediately complains about how old the donuts are and threatens to leave for Galaxy Magazine, which was actually a real publication at the mm-hmm. time. <clears throat> Colmini comes over and asks uh, where his matches are, and Benny says he gave them to him. This is the beginning of the portrayal of Meany as a mostly vacant white guy who keeps succeeding mostly because he's not too bright, doesn't take any risks, and is overall failing upwards due to his white privilege. Yep, and all he likes to write about is robots. He does like writing about robots because uh, they're, you know, cool. Yeah, he's like, I just think they're neat or something. I think they're efficient. Yeah, they're efficient (laughs) is what he says. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So next we get Martok, but he's Martok from the art department. Yeah. Mart, Mart Ock. Mart Ock. Art Ock. Yeah, Art Ock. Art Ock. Chancellor Art Ock. And he's definitely playing sort of like a almost kind of like counterculture 1950s kind of beatnik yeah beatnik dude yeah, yeah he's he definitely doesn't like adhere to any sort of the conventional styles or anything no he's like he's just like freewheeling guy likes to make some weird ass art man yeah yeah he's pretty cool yeah I, I feel like that's 
I feel like, and I, I do like how this episode has everyone playing different characters, mm-hmm. but I definitely feel like J.G. Hertzler is probably playing a character very close to his own heart, right? Yeah, here. yeah. He seems <laughs> he seems like kind of just a cool, artsy, funny dude. Yeah, it's like it's like you know um, Jonathan Frakes playing Riker, just being himself, basically. And mm-hmm. this definitely feels like. I could see this actually being J.G. Hertzler's like real character. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but he's an art guy, and he gives out sketches to make stories of. Mm-hmm. This is a fun scene where the different writers are basically taking drawings and assigning themselves stories in a pretty typecasty way. Uh, he has a drawing of DS9, and Benny Russell is immediately drawn to it. Mm-hmm. So next we meet Paps, played by Rene Abergenois. Um, and he's an asshole publisher uh, who was originally cast as Armin Shimmerman. Mm. But Iris Stephen Bear was afraid it would come off as anti-Semitic, so it was recast as Odo instead. Plus, um, I think that uh, I think it also keeps kind of like the dynamic that they it have does. on the ship. It definitely does. Yeah, where, you know, like Odo is a fascist, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and um, Quark is just a funny little guy. Yeah, he's that likes to be a little. He's a funny little libertarian guy. Yeah, he likes to he likes to be a, be an antagonist. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so Paps is also very much akin to science fiction writer and editor John W. Campbell, uh, best known for astounding science fiction magazine, and being a real racist piece of shit as well. Mm. So fuck that guy. Fuck him. Mm-hmm. Paps says the publisher wanted to print a photo of the writing staff, and that not a visitor better sleep late that day. She commiserates the misogyny, and Benny asks if he better sleep late too, which Paps says is nothing personal, but as far as the readers are concerned, Benny Russell is white. Pretty pretty fucked up thing to say to someone who's not white. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, yeah, we're still dealing, you know, dealing with, like, you know, America's very, like, very, very openly racist openly racist laws mm-hmm. still so it's just like yeah there's like uh this would make sense <laughs> yeah do you think do you think our listeners think we're black no why not oh they have to follow us on social media yeah that's probably true <laughs> yeah yeah that's true yeah mm. and if they don't how do you think they know mm. <laughs> I'm just trying to make you uncomfortable. And I think it's working. They can see my. They can see my, the weird photo I've edited myself with my eyes going in different directions. So it's like woof. Cool that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously white. Yeah. Um. So this is where. Armin Shimmerman becomes an absolute goat ally. Uh, Herb is his name. He comes at Paps for the structural misogyny and racism. And honestly, he does not relent for this entire episode, which yeah. is sick as fuck. He, he, he is, rocks. Yeah, he totally rocks. I love his writing. Which yeah. which I do, and I do love, because um, like later on, you know, th- th- there is like, he is framed in a certain way during a very vital, sh- during a very important scene. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Which is, which is it like, so there's like all this like lean off some payoff later, which is great. Mm-hmm. So Benny asks, what about writers like W.E.B. Du Bois, uh, Zora Neale Hurston, Langston Hughes, Ralph Ellison, and Richard Wright? Uh, and I actually had no idea up until this point that Ralph Ellison was black, the guy who mm. wrote Invisible Man. Mm. Didn't know. Mm. That's pretty great. 
It's cool. Um, that's that's a great question, though. There, yeah. I mean, black sci-fi has like kind of always been a thing. Mm -hmm. so. Pap says that's a literature for liberals and intellectuals in a classic systemic of blaming it on another class thing. If it weren't the readers, it would be the publishers. If it weren't them, it would be the distributors. If it weren't them, it would be the booksellers. There's always a class that you can say will oppose something, but that's not a reason to not publish something. In fact, one could argue that's the reason you should publish things. Yeah. Pap says he wishes things were different, and Benny says that wishing never changed a damn thing in a truly chilling delivery. Mm. Armin Shimmerman calls Paps a dog, <laughs> which I fucking loved. I know, he goes, you're that. a dog. <laughs> and I'm just like, damn you. I fucking love you, Quark, even though it wasn't Quark. It yeah. Was yeah. Um, <clears throat> so Benny leaves work, uh, which is in the Arthur Trill building, and gets harassed by Mark Alamino and Jeffrey Combs, who are playing racist cops. Mark Alamino is probably playing himself, also. Honestly, he's <laughs> he's he's way he he like sinks into it way too easily. Yeah, Jeffrey Combs is really good too, but like Mark Alamino is just so scummy. Yeah, especially like watching you know the the Deep Space Nine documentary and just mm -hmm. how he is in real life. It's just like how uncomfortable he makes people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can I can see. I could see him being like, oh, yeah, this is just really me. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, this is a truly clear ACAB moment in Star Trek, and it's really great. Yep. Yeah. 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 The cops are instantly the villains. Yeah. Just unlikable bad. Yeah. Which is very true mm -hmm. in real life. So, uh, yeah. I, I do. I actually wrote in my notes that uh, I find these actors sus now because they're too good at their characters. Yeah. Yeah, next we see Benny exiting the subway, and Cisco's father, who is now a street preacher, tells him he must write the truth that's in his heart, the truth that will set them free. Mm -hmm. uh, Benny's confused by this and returns home to an apartment that would cost at least $5,000 a month in New York now. <laughs> yeah. He looks at the drawing and begins writing Captain Benjamin Cisco sat looking out a window. He looks at his reflection in the window and sees himself as a captain. He is inspired, and the words begin to flow from his fingertips. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of mm -hmm. how, like, uh, you know, um, Avery Brooks is in the, um, in the Captain's movie, where he's just playing the piano. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I just, fucking just, love that just, scene. Just doing just, he's always just, like, like, you know, they describe Avery Brooks as moving by the beat of jazz all the time. <laughs> he, he does feel like a jazzy guy. Yeah. I love it. So next we see Benny walking into a cafe, and he tells his girlfriend, uh, who's a waitress there, Cassie, that he's written the best story of his life. She tells him that her boss will sell them at the restaurant, but Benny doesn't want that for his life. Um, or he, not that they will sell them at the restaurant but they'll they'll sell them the restaurant mm -hmm. she wants him to be a restaurateur with her mm -hmm. but benny doesn't want that life he wants instead to write she tells him to look at their future instead of the future of the planet next michael dorn comes in as a baseball player and tries to hit on benny's girlfriend but she's having none of it she asks him why he's still living <coughs> uptown despite being a famous baseball player he says they're barely used to him being in baseball, much less living next to him. 
I uh, don't know if him wearing a red suit there was a subtle reference to redlining, but if it was, mm. that's that's a damn good, like very subtle reference. Mm. Um, he says uh, to white people, he's just another colored boy who can hit a curveball, which is, I mean, yeah, the very very 1950s. I mean, yeah. almost like modern, like yeah. almost almost modern yeah. <laughs> um it's like yeah you, you, you enjoy some modicum of success and acceptance in the world and and like in the in white america but not enough to actually truly join them right right and even though he's like on their in their their class level like monetarily now yeah. he's still not in their class because no. race has and always will be a class in racial capitalism in the united states yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do like I do like his character being there because he seems to almost just like be he's aware of it really. Yeah, just kind of just like accepts it and just like, but it's like I mean they're all aware of it. They're yeah, all yeah. aware of the system they're living under, but they all feel powerless to it because what are you going to do? Yeah, and he's just trying. He's like, but he's like trying. Yeah, enjoying enjoying his modicum of celebrity and just like doesn't doesn't seem to try to let doesn't seem to let it affect him where everyone mm. else seems to be more like more more consciously aware like well also everyone else isn't in his monetary no, class level no. so, so he's he's he, that's why yeah he's mm. he can just like let that all that stuff go by right because he's 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 like a, a you know a upper middle class black person whereas they're yeah. you know mostly lower middle class and poor black people yes mm-hmm. so you know they have bigger concerns than him even though he still has a lot of class issues yes <laughs> so yeah the, i mean you know it, l- this episode is just largely about classism on different levels not mm-hmm. just black versus white yeah. but but multiple classes yeah you, you see on the uh, other end of the spectrum yeah like um um jake jake's character mm-hmm. yeah. yeah who's who's like a a, a criminal but yeah. we'll we'll get to him jimmy we'll get to him. Uh, jimmy uh next syrup lofton comes in as jimmy a petty thief with the John Waters mustache. <laughs> yeah, he looks great with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, who Benny says has to turn his life around before he gets into some serious trouble. Mm. Jimmy says he's not going to work as a delivery boy or a dishwasher. Once again, class issues here. Mm-hmm. Jimmy excoriates him for writing about white people on the moon, and Benny says he's not doing that anymore. He's writing about colored people on the moon, and Jimmy says, yeah, he just might do something like that. Next, we're back in the offices of Astounding Tales, and everyone is flipping their shit over Deep Space Nine, just like we do on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we fucking love that shit. Yeah. We fucking love Deep Space Nine. Yeah, we flip out with our tips out. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we jerk out with our cocks out. Uh, also, Terry Farrell is a secretary and, predictably, a smoke show. Yeah. She says it's the best thing she's ever read. Colmini can't articulate how he feels, and Armin Shimmerman is also very, very, very impressed. Mm-hmm. Even J.G. Hertzler is impressed, wanting to do a cover sketch for the story. <clears throat> then... Motherfucking Paps. <laughs> God damn it, Paps! Yeah, he comes in and says, The story is good, but he can't print it because it has a black captain. Which he even uses the lowercase n-word for. Yeah. Uh, which actually kind of surprised me. Yeah. 
And uh, th- this episode also has the only use of the N-word in all of Star Trek, mm-hmm. which is pretty, actually kind of shocking. Yeah. And it, and it is and it, it is pretty obvious, like, Paps is like, he's, he's using, he's, he puts his hands up and acts like he's powerless and he's mm-hmm. actually just acting through orders from other people mm-hmm. but he's really acting in his own interest like he yeah he in his own class to, interest in as own, well in his own class interest he he like he doesn't want to print that story no he doesn't but he doesn't want to but he wants to shift blame from himself mm-hmm. and not make him seem like as the responsible party he but but he it, that is what his true intentions are <laughs> he's a real piece of shit like he he does it's pretty obvious like he doesn't at any point go talk up uh go defend benny russell in any sort of way absolutely not he's a motherfucker he's a motherfucker. real motherfucker yeah he, he's he's really good at playing uh assholes i mean you mm-hmm. know odo but yeah i mean this guy this guy is definitely pure evil <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely like uh racism throws flows through his veins yeah. like it, it's just ice cold mm-hmm. he uh says he's not a crusader here to change the world which like what is the job of a science fiction editor except for that like i don't know you're kind of supposed to look to the future maybe yeah i mean i always felt like especially like in the early days like uh sci-fi was a way of talking about these issues talking about stuff like race and class and very Mm -hmm. um obfuscated ways where you can put it through Mm -hmm. the lens of sci-fi and kind of just like talk about social progress in a way that's acceptable due to the um, aesthetic distance mm-hmm. with with uh, with subjects. So, you know, and that, that's what a lot of writers did. You know, like uh, Arthur C. Clarke, like put, you know, changed put had a different race uh, at a, especially in like yeah, childhoods and mm-hmm. and um, and also in the Rama series mm-hmm. had people of color and like and his, and those and they got away with it. <laughs> yeah, that's because. Arthur C. Clarke is white. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, he was able to get then because he's white. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Armin Shimmerman comes at Pats with some absolute shredded shit, saying that that is the most imbecilic attempt to rationalize personal cowardice he's ever heard. Mm-hmm. Which is like, damn, dude. Uh, well said. Well said. Um, everyone should talk to their boss this way. <laughs> yeah, call your don't call your boss an imbecile. Tell them they're making imbecilic attempts at things. And it's true. And also, yeah, and that like um, Armin Shimmerman is is able to get all these pot shots out because yeah, he's he's using his you know his whiteness mm-hmm. or like yeah to to talk back to the boss because he just pretty much eviscerates him constantly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and is and is does not does not suffer any sort of consequence because of that Mm -hmm. like he's like he's not fired like he's not he's not reprimanded in any shape way shape or form like Mm -hmm. like, paps almost like loves arguing back with him Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so but but so it's like yeah like he's able to get away with it because because of his status absolutely um i i just loved the scene but then paps says uh (laughs) He tells Herb that he's been angry ever since Stalin died. (laughs) Did you call me a commie? Yeah, Herb gets really (laughs) pissed about being accused of being a communist, which is maybe the one fault I find in this episode. But also at that time, that's when people were being blacklisted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, 
it'd be cool if he was like almost backed down because of that because he is a commie and yeah. he didn't want to get blacklisted yeah like uh, like as i could see like if he were to say he was like paps mm-hmm. would definitely be reporting him to the he would be blacklisted from all from everything yeah bummer yeah uh but in return uh herb calls paps a craven fascist which was so fucking sick that rocked yeah i was <laughs> just like craven fascist got him yeah we love to hear that shit so uh colmini asked paps uh how he liked his story and guess what he loved it yeah it's a simple tale about robots doing robot stuff. <laughs> Meanie is also holding bongos here, and for what reason, I will never be able to say, but it's a nice touch. Yeah, I like it. He, yeah. I think it's just it's just making him more simple, even. Yeah. He's just the guy with bongos in the <laughs> office. I couldn't tell if they're like him being obsessed with robots. I couldn't tell if he was supposed to be like um, an Asimov stand-in, but probably Maybe. not. Yeah, yeah, but it was, it was just it was it, it, I, I it, he was great anyway. But yeah, he, as you said, like yeah, he's just like the guy who fails upwards. I think it, well, since he's holding bongos, I think he's Jazzamov. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Jazzamov, Isaac, Isaac Jazzamov, Isaac Jazzamov, yeah, <laughs> Isaac Jacksamov. <laughs> um, that can be your porn name, I, Isaac Jacksamov. <laughs> Isaac Jacksamov. That's actually a great porn name, <laughs> Isaac Jacksamov. If anyone wants to use it. Yeah, or a fucking, it could be a porn name, it could be a drag queen name, no, drag, drag king queen. name. Yeah, drag king name, that'd be great. Yeah, I, yeah. Isaac Jacksonoff. Isaac Jacksonoff. <laughs> Jacksonoff. <laughs> Jacksonoff. So, Paps tries to make a compromise with Benny, but not on Deep Space Nine. He says he should stick in a drawer for 50 years, or however long it takes the human race to get to the point where they'll accept it. Mm. Benny says he wants people to read it now. And Pap says he will if he makes the captain white. Yeah. That sucks. It should be noted the music on this episode is very much jazz inspired, much mm-hmm. more so than usual with horn mutes and stuff they don't typically use in DS9 music. No. It's really fucking sick. Next, Benny is back at Cassie's Cafe, and Jimmy says he was wasting his time and says the only reason they'll ever let him in space is if they need someone to shine their shoes. Damn, son. He commiserates with his girlfriend when suddenly none other than Worf grabs Benny by the shoulder and scares the piss out of him. But no, it's not Worf. It's Hawkins, Mm -hmm. also played by Michael Dorn. Mm -hmm. So it seems like... Benny's world and Cisco's world are starting to like kind of blend together here mm-hmm. at this point. They're having visions of others, yeah. other things. So. I think it was interesting. Um, Worf is wearing like traditional Klingon mm-hmm. uh, uniform. Yeah, yeah, that that was interesting that he wasn't wearing a DS Nine uniform at all. Yeah. I, I wondered about that. But, yeah, I was wondering maybe because like during this time he is serving on Martok's ship. I think, mm. or it might it, yeah, because this is directly after his wedding. Okay. So I do believe he's serving on Martok ship at this mm. point, or it might not be until. But in the next episode, he's back on the sh- on on the Defiant. <laughs> Interesting. So yeah. may- maybe maybe but, not. What I was wondering is because like Benny had already like envisioned mm-hmm. what the captain would look like for his story, Deep Space Nine. Right. And so since uh, Worf is an alien, like mm-hmm. he would have to imagine him wearing his alien outfit. That makes more sense it's too. Because yeah. like, he's because he's scared by Worf. Right. He's shocked right, by right. Worf. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So Hawkins apologizes to Benny, who says he needs to go. Hawkins makes a pass at Cassie, and she rejects him. <laughs> which yeah, is like I a like, theme for this episode. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, doesn't he go like, three strikes, you're out, mm-hmm. to, to, to Hawkins. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah, I love that. So Benny walks the streets and sees the preacher for a second time. He tells him he doesn't understand what he wants from him, and the preacher says to follow the path of the prophets. And it's clear at this point, maybe the preacher is like speaking for the uh, the prophets mm-hmm. like, uh, to the emissary at this point somehow. He tells Benny to write the words that will lead them out of the darkness into the path of righteousness as he walks away. Benny goes home and sits at his typewriter. Later, Cassie uh, turns on some music and cuddles a tired Benny. Manuscript hugged tight in his arms. He forgot his date with her at 10 p.m., <laughs> She asks him why he's writing another story about a black captain, and he deflects from the conversation. Cassie says she has to be going, but invites him for a dance before she leaves. He's suddenly transported to DS9, and Cassie says something about the Dominion. Benny says he thinks he's losing his mind, as if he's becoming Captain Sisko. Mm. Have you ever thought you're becoming a starship captain in your mind? Yeah, I think I told you about that. Like when I was on mushrooms, I thought it was a starship. Oh, you thought like like Jefferson Starship? Oh well, yeah, I thought my I thought my body was a actual starship. Like we built this body on rock and roll. Mm, yeah, well then there's little guys dance dancing to power the engines. Uh-huh. So I've, I've 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 imagined I was a starship. Interesting. But not a starship captain. I would love to be a starship captain. If you were a starship, what would you be powered by? Uh, well, in my in my in the in the um hallucination i had i was powered by um magic dancing uh-huh. and that's and so it was it was like a a, a fusion of science and and uh, sorcery yeah and they were able to power the engines that way yeah. yeah science and sorcery science and sorcery you just described a hitachi magic wand <laughs> baby oh hells yeah no. What about you? Have any ever believed that you were a starship captain? Yeah. Yeah, I am. I feel like I'm the. I used to go by Captain Brit on this program. Now I go to Comrade Brit. So That's true. I feel like I used to feel like a captain. Now I feel like I'm just letting this flounder in the wind <laughs> on fire until it burns away. Oh, hells yeah. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Yeah, sometimes you got to whip your dick out at the supermarket and find out if it's really super or not. Mm. You got to ask, yeah, take a poll of all the shoppers. Yeah. (laughs) And if you get less than 50%, it's not a supermarket, it's just a regular market. And then you have to submit to being executed in the parking lot. As usual. And And have your meat sold in the meat department. Yeah. That's why every... Every good grocery store has a parking lot guillotine. That's true. Yeah. yeah. If you go to a grocery store and it doesn't have a guillotine in the parking lot, it's not a good store, dumbass. And that's the thing. Like, there's great risk and great reward that's completely dependent on public opinion, mm-hmm. which can shift for any reason. Like, sometimes right. some people just want to see a beheading. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to, like, kind of do a pre, like, kind of gauge people's, like, attitudes before mm-hmm. submitting yourself to the test. No. Because, you know, sometimes, you know, some people will be angry and they'll they'll say, Oh, that that that's it. That dick sucks. Why is it called beheading? Shouldn't it be deheading? 
That's a good question. Like if you're benighted, knighting is placed upon you. You're not denighted. Right. Mm. Oh, I guess B, yeah, because you're B knight. You're B. You're. That's that's giving you a knighthood. Yeah. A D knighthood would be, be taking away. away. And B heading and D heading are like the same thing though. Yeah, but D heading's not a word. It could be. It should be. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a word. It's a word. The headed. Yeah. But not D-headed. That's not a word. No, I think it is for like things that have heads that aren't really heads, like the the head of a flower. Like I think that's. No. De- I don't think it's called beheading it when you take, pop the head off. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, either way. Or like the head of your penis. Yeah. If, I think it'd be deheading it if you Ooh, are gloving. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Think about that. No, thank you. Think about sticking it in like a router machine. Uh, Jesus <laughs> Christ! On a heart-shaped box. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and a plexiglass custom-made box that has a heart. Yeah. Core in it. Yeah. Yep. We love that. <laughs> Um, so Paps bursts in, uh, from his office door asking if Benny has lost his mind, having written another six stories about a black captain. Damn. He's been busy. He's been busy. Julius Eaton, Bashir Standin encourages him to self-publish. Albert O'Brien's character says he should write them as a dream, trying to take the great white compromise. Yeah, like, and oh. uh, yeah, take take the, um, oh yeah, and, and take the like the the weight of it away completely. Yeah, Just, like, absolutely. The, the, they take the meaning away. Like, oh, that, yeah, that is a cop out in any sort of like property where it's just like they have something and yeah, it turns out it was a dream. It means it was all completely meaningless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Benny asks if it would make a difference. Pap says <clears throat> maybe, depending on who. Herb says making it a dream guts the story. Once again, Herb is the goat, and he's right in everything he says. Mm-hmm. Benny says it's better than writing it in chalk on a sidewalk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's true. Yeah. It's also better than getting outlined in chalk on a sidewalk, you know what I mean? Yeah. The man be after you. That's true. The man be after you. Mm-hmm. Next, Benny, joyous, encounters Jimmy on the street, but Jimmy is busy with some work. In Cassie's cafe, Hawkins is hitting on her when Benny arrives. Hawkins says he hit two for four in a game last night, but Benny says he hit it a grand slam. The story is published at three cents a word. They're both overjoyed. Uh, and this is pretty interesting because they discuss their pay rates earlier in the story. Mm-hmm. And it's clear that, like, um, you know, the women are getting paid like two cents a word. Uh, and then. Uh, I think I want to say that uh, Herb, the Jewish guy, is getting paid three cents a word. And then Cole Meany doesn't even say how much he gets paid, mm. which I think assumes that he probably gets paid the highest in the office because he's just the dumb white guy that's completely non-ethnically coded. Yeah. Yeah. Writing the, the easy he, robot does he, stories. Does he even have his Irish accent in this? He kind of does. Yeah. It, I mean, he has like a Cole Meany accent, which, yeah. which is vaguely Irish. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, like that was in, like like um, I know that's when um, uh, what's his face who created Scientology? Oh yeah, uh, uh, L. Ron Hubbard. L. Ron <laughs> Snubbard. L. Ron Snubbard. Like yeah. uh, yeah, like he was paid per word, and that's why like that's why he's just verbose and very, adds too many words. Very verbose. Yeah, like his his early sci-fi that he wrote when he was being paid by word is he would just 
include as many words in there as possible and he would just take home paychecks and that's how he was able to you know really get that money for the foundation of scientology <laughs> yeah but since she's gonna think about i wish he would uh um eaten poison yeah that'd be great on his, purpose his books do suck i've tried reading them mm-hmm. and they're probably the worst things i've ever read in my life yeah scientology is just an incredibly broken system that involves so many other broken systems and involves breaking systems in order for it to work Mm -hmm. fuck it fuck it the fuck scientology (laughs) yeah i do do like how they but like yeah going back like yeah this is you know kind of the how they worked because i can see Ron hubbard being like um paid above the three cents a word i can't remember how much he was paid but Mm. that sounds it sounds like he would probably be also paid more for writing absolute garbage where mm-hmm. you see Benny Russell like struggling three cents a word and yeah, they're probably not even going to print it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he says he's getting it published at three cents a word for yeah. turning it into a dream yeah. and they're both overjoyed. Mm-hmm. Later that night at the jazz club, Benny and Cassie are leaving. They encounter the priest again and Benny tells him he got his story published. The priest is proud of him but says this is only the beginning of the journey. He reaches for Benny's ear, and it's bleeding. But when Benny tries to see, there's no blood at all. The priest says the prophets says hope and despair walk arm in arm before disappearing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I do wonder if this is like kind of an intentional inclusion of like a priest to kind of shine a light on the work of like black churches Mm -hmm. in the tradition of black radicalism because Mm -hmm. a lot of black churches um you know traditionally like were like safe spaces for black leftist movements Mm -hmm. um back in in the early days Mm -hmm. um and uh you know it's but not necessarily the catholic church so i'm not sure exactly why they made it a priest (laughs) yeah Oh. oh yeah, yeah. I think just so. Yeah, I mean, they have the street preacher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess you gotta have the street preacher, and yeah. it, it makes him <clears throat> an obvious preacher uh, yeah. wearing the, the the priest's outfit. But mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Could have put him in some robes or something. I think it. I think it actually might have made it more impactful if he was like a homeless guy. Mm. Maybe a little more Hollywood, but yeah. And I think that could be interesting. Yeah, but I don't. I don't. I. Uh, I think you know it'd be hard. You know, Benny could. Like you could see, like because he has that authority of being, and within the church. True. Like Benny would have like listened to him, but if he was mm-hmm. like skit, you know, pre- like perceived as schizophrenic, <laughs> like he. Right. Benny probably would have been like. Uh. But but the thing too is he could have like said profound things that like Benny could have connected with. That's true. Yeah. He could have been like, I know about your story. And he'd be like, how do you know about that? <laughs> yeah, and, then yeah. he, and then he could have started talking, yeah. which I think would have been very effective, in yeah. my opinion. Mm-hmm. But, you know, no shade on this episode. It's a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This episode's perfect. Like, did it win any awards? Yeah. Yeah. It won some, like, Saturn Awards and stuff like that. Mm. No no big awards, though, I don't think. Yeah. That's, that's what I was think, like, thinking the other day. It's just, like, how... Like Deep Space, Deep Space Nine was just like cranking out those bangers. Just like, mm-hmm. just like, there's so many excellent episodes that are just like, you know, deal with deal with like social issues. Like you won't find 
writing like this and a lot of television now. Right. And I think the thing is like, it's become more popular because it's seen as like prescient over time. Yeah. Like they were really calling some shit that still exists back then. Like, I mean the fucking sanctuary cities, uh, the Irish revolution of 2024, Mm -hmm. um, you know, all these things are coming up uh, and you know, it feels like there is some foretelling that's going on. Right. Right. I mean, maybe not, quite yet with Ireland but like Sinn Féin is becoming a much bigger party around there yeah. and if that's their political future maybe we might see a coalition that you know decides to fully break off mm-hmm. from from Great Britain and yeah. the United Kingdom and far beyond the stars is just always prescient because it's dealing with a thing that ha- hasn't changed yeah, since the, this since mm-hmm. like this this episode was taking place right and like 1950s and it's still right. going on today. I mean, yeah, we don't have quite like the redlining like Hawkins is experiencing with like mm-hmm. housing and stuff, but we do still have things like credit scores and yeah. things that are disadvantageous like generationally. Yeah, like the fact you know, like yeah, like. We have legalized slavery. We have mm-hmm. like prisons, you know, yeah. uh, felony convictions that are at a higher, <laughs> at, at, given to a higher rate for the same crimes committed by white people. It's just like mm-hmm. it's like we have the same sort of like it's fucked up system, but now it's more you know, it's more coded away from being directly racial. <laughs> it's just kind of like right. oh, it's just it's 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 personal responsibility. Right. Thing. It's like these are your moral failings when yeah. statistically it turns out, you know, certain people fall into the quote unquote moral failings category, which are typically <laughs> like uh, you know, things like having bad credit, being bad at like paying loans back, mm-hmm. uh, doing small property crimes. Uh, stealing things, you know, things like that, like small indiscretions against society that only take place because we live in a ha- capitalist hellscape and, yeah. with, you know, sometimes there's no other options. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just like this, the, the, the systems are still in place and still operating. Yeah. They are. be cool if we could smash them with a big hammer. Yeah, absolutely. And sickle. Yeah. <laughs> if you know what I mean. I know what you mean. Communism will win. Communism will win. 2024, baby. Here's open. Yep. Uh, So, suddenly, after the priest leaves, there's gunfire. Benny runs up on the two evil cops from earlier over the dead body of Jimmy, shot twice for trying to break into a car. Mm -hmm. They say he had a weapon, and guess what the weapon is? Mm. It's a crowbar that he was breaking into the car with. Yeah. Benny breaks down over this and punches the cops, who in turn beat the living shit out of him. Yeah. Cassie tries to stop them, yelling that they're going to kill him. As they beat him, he sees visions of Ducat and Wei-Yoon beating him down. Mm-hmm. It's pretty heavy. Also, at one point, I think he does see Worf as well. Does he? Yeah, I think Beating so. him? Yeah. I hope not. I, I hope, hope not. I hope Hawkins isn't there helping the cops. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, let me get a punch in. <laughs> I want his girlfriend. Uh, exactly. Yeah, I feel like it'd be hard to, to cuck Avery Brooks. No. He yeah. seems fairly uncuckable. Very. Mm. Even, the, even though, like, uh, Michael Dorn is a very, very handsome man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he just doesn't have the the intensity that no. Avery Brooks has. No, no. Nor, nor the swagger. It is funny, like, Michael Dorn without the makeup looks like the goofiest guy. 
Yeah, he, he, he looks like he like has multiple computers at home. Yeah, he, he, he's, he, he, and he loves smiling without without the makeup. Mm-hmm. Like anytime he's ever done without, he is always mugging. He do me mugging. Do me mugging. He does. He does look like he's like one of the friendliest guys in the world. Yeah, he seems like it. Yeah, but yeah, can't match the intensity of Avery Brooks. <laughs> no. So weeks later, Benny is mildly. Rec- I mean, you know, this obviously says a lot about violence against black people. Mm-hmm. Specific, specifically, the hands of cops, specifically historically, but also mm-hmm. specifically now. Yeah. It's more prescient than ever. Yeah. You know it. We know it. We see Black Lives Matter come and go. But, you know, that's largely because it was never attached to any resolute thing like, I don't know, defund the police. Yeah. Like, yes, Black Lives Matter, so dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And they never, no one ever really filled in the blank adequately, except for disparate groups came up with different ideas, and liberals ruined everything. Yeah, I think, yeah, because, like, 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 the funding of police is, like, vital to the protection of, of property and resources. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, that was, that would be the logical jump to go but you know once they were you know people had to put a stop to that immediately mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why there was like a full on media war against it oh absolutely and so yeah and th- like that that we we can't ever get we live in a dystopia so we can't ever get to the actual resolution <laughs> no so instead like no police departments got defunded they get more money every year yeah but but somehow like there are no liberals saying okay we've given more money to cops and things really haven't changed. What do we need to do? Liberals haven't done that. Instead, they've let conservatives run rampant over them saying that like defund the police happened and that they were complicit in it when it never fucking happened. Just recently we had the, um, the Fox news guy that came to Seattle. Yeah, that was great. That was great. And he was saying like, you know, crime is rampant in, in Seattle and like, because they defunded the police. Mm -hmm. It's like, didn't like, they, no. like the cops are Seattle cops have more money than god like yeah like and yeah it's a it just goes to show there is no correlation between more police and lower crime because, there never was because like yeah and like one person does bring up the point to him where it's like yeah you have to actually fund social services mm-hmm. because you know you have to actually invest in housing education job training like all of these things that would actually like solve the problem of crime, mm-hmm. but we send that money that should be going to those things, like you know, prob- you know, programs for people to uh, for you know drug rehabilitation programs. Mm-hmm. The thing is, you'd have to set up brand new systems for that, which yeah. they think are like expensive and scary, but yeah. they don't realize what kind of systems they set up under police departments that are expensive and actually scary. Yeah. Like the idea that like instead of doing something to treat homelessness as an acute thing that happens in society, we just make homelessness a crime instead. And that way we can use an existing government agency to deal with the problem, even though they are in no way equipped nor ethically able to deal with the problem. And it really is like, you know, dined by whiteness because... The reason why also those programs are so unpopular with people and people continually vote against them and for more police is because the idea of making a more equitable society where every where where we 
remove poverty mm-hmm. or work to actually eliminate you know actually have a war on poverty instead of like the war on the poor which we do currently have and mm-hmm. it's completely pointless it's because like it was perceived as a non-white person getting something that they sh- that they think that they shouldn't and mm-hmm. so like that's why there's like this like yeah like you people are just dying by whiteness because they continually vote against their own self-interest because so, like if you know voting voting to stop that would make it see, make another person get something that they feel they don't right. deserve. And it's it's just people who just do not fundamentally understand that they have far more in common with a common homeless person than any billionaire or any multimillionaire yeah. they will ever hear of and yeah. never ever meet mm-hmm. because they don't meet people that far above their class level. Never. Yeah. No. You think the, we'll the, only, the only person you're ever going to meet that that's far beyond your class level is like the ceo of your company if you're lucky yeah (laughs) or rather unlucky unlucky enough yeah yeah like you just won't see elon musk like just like walking down the street no he did it's on site motherfucker (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) it is on site we uh this is um on this podcast uh and mostly a hundred percent in satire and in minecraft um if i ever see elon musk because yeah i don't know if you saw that picture of him at the border like mm-hmm. overlooking a bunch of uh people they detained crossing the border and where he's wearing that fucking oh pack. that fucking cowboy hat that that picture of him just like standing over a bunch of people that were detained and him and him like talking to some some government asshole like mm-hmm. that just filled me with such unspeakable rage <laughs> like I was just like I was just like I'm going to do some threats on the internet <laughs> I'm just gonna, like it's not I just need to stop because it's just it's just sick that this is you know it's just like the perfect encapsulation of where our society's gone yeah it sucks brother and yeah and we would we would rather have these fucking psychopaths where they are in power completely untouchable you know like can can are able to dictate policy dictate culture you know complete things that are that they do that they live with outside of that they do not even live within the confines of yeah they don't they don't even take part in the culture that they're helping shape <laughs> nope they they're completely above they're completely untouched by it and we allow these people to operate with such impunity mm-hmm. and then we to our fellow man like yeah except elon musk elon musk feels the bullying that he gets online he which is why feel the bullying. why well, you should Try your best to get blocked by Elon Musk for calling him like a cuck boy or whatever. Yeah, bullying works. Bullying is funny <laughs> when when you're when you're bullying upward. But yeah, you have to bully upwards. You never, never bully, bully downwards. Down, yeah. No, bullying yeah. downwards is not fucking cool. No. Never bully on someone in a like a lower size than you, mm-hmm. a lower class position than you, a lower power position than you. Yeah. Those things aren't cool. Elon Musk is taller than me. I can bully him all I want. Yeah. (laughs) Telling your boss that you fucked their dad is fucking cool, baby. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, don't, don't bully, don't bully nerds. 
Leave the nerds alone. No, no. The nerds have enough problems to deal with. They're actually solving the world's problems <laughs> in their head. So don't fucking hit their head. You know, that's yeah. not okay. Leave, don't, the, leave, the little, leave the little nerds alone. Just yeah. Let, bully, bully upwards. Yeah. Bully upwards. Like, find a bigger dickhead than you at school and pick on him. Yeah. <laughs> like, seriously. Like, work your own daddy issues out together. Run Elon Musk over with your car. In Minecraft, <laughs> <baby>. <laughs> yeah. Um, in, in this dream I had. In this dream, Benny Russell had. In this dream, Benny Russell had. So uh, weeks later, Benny Russell uh, is mildly recovered, mildly recovered from the shit kicking he got from the cops, and Cassie convinces him to go back to the office so he'll socialize and maybe feel better. He says he should be there when the first copies of his story arrives. She hands him a cane and asks if he's having any more hallucinations, and he says he's fine as he leaves out the door to go to work. Benny walks back into the office, and Herb is the first to greet him. Paps is still at the printer getting the new issues. They awkwardly talk about Benny getting the shit beat out of him. Albert has also sold a novel, a novel about robots. Yeah. We got a plane flying over us right now. Can you hear that? I can hear that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. We're picking that up. Yeah. I was wondering what that noise was. No, I'm, I'm just farting. I'll be uh, farting over here. That's a long fart. I'm doing a ventriloquist fart. All, <laughs> I call it the around the world, where I just make it go around all... Around the world, around the world. That's what that song's about. Uh, yeah, gotcha. it's about a big, weird fart. <laughs> sounds, like a, sounds like a... Like sounds a, like a job for methane, man. Sounds like a toad on a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> So, Paps comes back from the printers with nothing. The magazine has been pulped. The printer said that the issue did not live up to, quote, their usual high standards. And Benny is incredulous about this. Benny says this isn't right, and Paps rebutes that it's not about what's right, it's about what is, which is a cowardly defense for racism. Mm. And he tells Benny the publisher said his services are no longer required benny says he can't be fired because he quits and he starts to dump everything from the table onto the floor benny says he's tired of being calm and dares paps to call the police he has a full mental breakdown crying that he's a human being in the future the space station they all exist in his mind he says you can pulp a story but you cannot destroy an idea it's mm. ancient knowledge it's real this is one of the most crushing and amazing performances in all of Star Trek, and I cry every time I watch oh, it. Oh, yeah. It's really good. Like, it's he amazing. Is, he is going all out. Avery Brooks pulls out every single last stop for this mm. and, like, puts all of his, like, black sadness into this performance, and it is crushing. Mm -hmm. It and, crushes me. And it's because it is sad. Yeah, it's because you do see him. Like, he's been... He, he was beaten... Like someone close to him was murdered. Mm -hmm. Like, um, even he's just at, at his lowest, most powerless point at the end, and, and, mm -hmm. and but he still was trying to 
trying to see hope in the and like feeling that there was hope at some point where he was going to have this 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 um story published and it would have been very important yeah to a lot of uh to a lot of black people to have them read this story right right and he felt that he was going to make some sort of like societal change start to i mean it, it would also be to, very important for white people to read the story yeah, too to yeah. understand that like mm -hmm. i mean black leadership in america is a thing at this time that is still Mm -hmm. a complete dream to people yeah you know it would have been yeah and, and and to see like finally after all of these setbacks and and everything else and get the final the, the final uh straw it just like breaks him and, and it is kind of weird to me that this is not allowed to because it does uh mention earlier in the episode that he was in the navy i believe mm. and then he wrote stories back when he was in the navy mm -hmm. benny russell and uh so in as much, at some point, there had to have been a black captain in the U.S. military at this point, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, maybe. Um, I assume so by World War II because mm -hmm. they had entire divisions oh, yeah. like the Buffalo Soldiers that were just black soldiers. Mm -hmm. So I assume that like the leadership of that, there must have been a black person somewhere along the line. Mm -hmm. And so it is kind of weird to me that even like post-World War II, like a black military leader is still not allowed, mm -hmm. even in fiction. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to look into that. Mm -hmm. But, um, so, next we see an ambulance taking Benny away in a stretcher. As he lies in the ambulance, his captain's uniform on, the preacher looks down at Benny, telling him to rest easy. He's walked in the path of the prophets, and there is no greater glory. That's why when he's going into the um, ambulance, I wonder if it is, like, something where like you know o'brien you know playing the doofy white guy he makes sure that like um benny gets his cane back yeah so he and so you kind of wonder was he like because like also like when 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 yeah like uh when benny initially comes in after being beaten like you know o'brien tries to relate to him in some but way but he's also the one who first walks to work with him at the beginning That's of the true, episode yeah. showing that like the two are like friends and mm -hmm. You know, call me in his character, even though, um, you know, he's kind of the doofy white guy who plays things safe. Mm -hmm. He's still willing to, like, be friends with a black guy yeah. and walk with him to work. And so he's, he's definitely, like, a proper ally, but maybe more of, like, a liberal ally. Yeah. Rather than, you know, the more leftist type that Herb is. Yeah. 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 Also, yeah, Herb is, like, um, um, framed during um, Benny's breakdown mm -hmm. like herb is in the background during the entire during the entire um scene mm -hmm. where with avery brooks and i'm wondering if that was something like because you know because herb is was you know standing behind him in, in a way like you mm -hmm. know just like going to bat for him but, yeah yeah and he's going to bat for him this entire episode yeah. which you know really does show kind of there, there was definitely back in the day too, like definitely like a black Jewish solidarity mm -hmm. in certain places, especially in like places like New York, where a lot, you know, were ostracized for different reasons. You know, you did see a lot of like, especially like in the jazz world, a lot of like black and Jewish jazz combos. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. So, um, Benny asks who the preacher is, and the priest says he's the dreamer and the dream. Oh. Hmm. So Cisco is the dreamer and the dream. Mm. So which is which, this begs to ask. Yeah. 
is Cisco dreaming of Benny, or is Benny dreaming of Cisco? Yeah. Right. So I do like, yeah, that discussion where he's like, you know, his whole perception of reality comes into um, into question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like his whole existence, like, yeah, and like who is who? Like I feel like I was both. <laughs> right. Yeah, and it's just like, and am am I a figment of Benny's imagination or is Benny a figment of mine? Right, and, yeah. and it makes you wonder too, like is there a dream that I've had that is my actual reality and mm-hmm. the rest of this is just a large dream mm-hmm. could be yeah could be, could be. I, I wish it was that way yeah <laughs> let's hope let's hope i wake up from this nightmare yeah and yeah and you know and like yeah it's like benny's dream of like of this utopian future is like you know the dream that you know is is, is preferable to the situation like yeah it's like he would want to stay in the dream mm-hmm. that's what i yeah. i think we all would Wait, no. Benny would like to stay in his Cisco dream, yeah. I think. Yeah, 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 there you go. Yeah. So suddenly Cisco is back on DS9. Cassidy and Jake wake him up, and he was only out for a few minutes. So this entire, like, lifetime, basically. or like, basically an inner light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is, like, at least, like, a couple months of his life, I think, here. Yeah. Because there's at least three weeks alone of him, like, recovering from having the shit mm-hmm. kicked out of him. So. Yeah. Yeah, probably a couple months that happens in just a blink of an eye for him. Mm-hmm. So uh, his neural patterns have returned to normal in Cisco's size. Back in his quarters, uh, Cisco's dad enters and says he has to leave and get back to his restaurant. He asks Cisco what he's going to do. Cisco says he's going to stay there to finish what he started. His dad quotes the Bible and says he's full of surprises just like Ben. Cisco says he wonders if it wasn't a dream. He wonders if DS9 is all an illusion, that maybe Benny is real, and they are merely figments of his imagination, like we just touched on. Mm. He wonders if somewhere far beyond all those distant stars, Benny Russell is dreaming of them. He then sees his reflection in a window, and it's Benny Russell. The end. The end of the fucking episode. Whoa. Yeah. What do you think, man? Oh, this is an excellent episode. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, definitely feel it's definitely one of the most, one of the, uh, the imp- most important episode of Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Like, it's just like, you know, you know, all, all the other episodes were kind of working as a foundation for this episode to work. <laughs> but, yeah, it's incredible. And, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely a love letter to, like, you know, sci-fi you know sci-fi in its heyday of like you know and when it's, and it's written and just like and and touches on really important issues that as we've talked about throughout the episode that are very still prevalent today mm-hmm. yeah like these are very these are these are very real things that happen like mm-hmm. like police brutality racism mm-hmm. like being denied jobs like yep. curtailing anything that has could be perceived as as promoting any sort of social progress mm-hmm. <laughs> is that's like that's beaten down by the people 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 in charge who, yeah. who fear that kind of thing because more equitable free society is what they're against <laughs> yeah because they see everything as a zero-sum game instead yeah. of like enriching the world mm-hmm. because they know that the way they do it they are destroying the world. Yeah, we live. We because uh, yeah, the world is a, actually a more evil Frankenar. 
It <laughs> is. The earth, the yeah. earth. And it re- and you know it come and so yeah, it's just like and I think and this episode did really like capture how powerless and just like frustrating just like it was you know just to just to make a living <laughs> yeah for for our black people just that just like just trying to live their lives yeah the, this episode is ultimately about racial injustice and racial capitalism racial yeah which is you know a, a term that we really need to use more because that is mm-hmm. a system we have always lived under in yeah. the united states of america and yeah. it's undeniable i yeah. mean it's yeah yeah things have shifted now to where now like lower wage jobs are definitely offered to like more immigrant families and there was a time where like you know there were certain types of white people like italians and irish people that were not white coated because they were seen as other and they were otherized Mm -hmm. because they were recent immigrant populations and so uh even after slavery and chattel slavery ceased to exist we found ways through both the prison system uh, in legalized slavery there, but also in things like migrant work, um, things like the au pair system, mm. like uh, think ways that we could like curtail labor laws in order to get cheaper labor from the developing world. Yeah, and we're doing that in America right now, just like with like gig economy. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, so, yeah. It's like the more you know, it cha- the the changes, but stays the same. Mm-hmm. And just like and you know and just moving everything to just like you know improving automation, not to make lives better, but to yeah. just like just pr- just to increase the bottom line for any sort of company while while re- continually reducing wages and and um making the problem of poverty worse right wow. except except for i feel like the vitamix except for the vitamix one of the the few good things capitalism has made. <laughs> good job vitamix. not not racial capitalism we could have no. done it with without any white people i'm sure yeah. oh yeah but, but yeah it's just yeah it's a, it's a it's a cruel system life is cruel yeah. um and that's no excuse no that's a bad excuse in fact yeah Life shouldn't be cruel. No, it shouldn't. Life should be beautiful and resplendent, and you should wake up every day hoping you get to see another. Yeah. Until you're really old, and then probably not. So <laughs> when, you're, when you, like, wake up with poo-poo in your diaper every day, that's probably the time you're like, I hope I don't wake up tomorrow. Damn, I'm, I'm already waking up with poo-poo in my diaper. Well, I mean, that's your fetish, so... <laughs> oh, gotcha, gotcha. Right, right. I mean, that's... I mean, maybe still you're like ashamed of it. Yeah. Like, I hope I don't wake up tomorrow. <laughs> but no, this yeah, this is a fantastic episode. It should be required watching. Yeah, they should everyone. they should show this in sci-fi class. They should, and it should in, be in high school because they have those classes. And it is a shame this episode. There, like, there is very little crossover between. Like you know, this this is a sh- episode that's highly celebrated by all Trekkies, basically, mm-hmm. except for maybe like you know William Shatner types, <laughs> but like um, motherfucking racists. Yeah. yeah, which which do which exists, and mm-hmm. um, but it, I think it's like considered to be one of the best episodes among all Trekkies. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, but you don't really see this crossover to like the mainstream where it's just like a, a non 
a non-Trek watcher wouldn't know about this episode. Right, right. Because there is this sort of like, I don't know, people feel like it's like completely separated. They can't, they just feel if they're not a Star Trek person, yeah, they can't watch Because this. even though it is like a highly episodic episode and mm-hmm. it stands well on its own, mm-hmm. it does require a lot of knowledge of the series and like, yeah. I mean, it doesn't require it. I feel like you definitely get a lot more enjoyment out of it if you're, mm-hmm. if you realize like who's playing who and that like yeah. the art guy is, is Chancellor or, uh, yeah, I guess, no, at this point still General Martok. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, you understand, like, yeah, like, of course, um, uh, Ducat and Wei-Yoon would be playing bad guys. Cops. Yeah, they'd be playing cops, because they're the villains. And, yeah, because like, cops are villains. They're, yeah, and and so, like, it would, all, it would make sense in that context, because... But also, I do feel like it is a good... It can almost be watched alone, because, yeah, you would understand... Like, the flashes of aliens, you would understand, like, oh, these are characters from right. any story. Right. And... And I and maybe and then maybe that could be a reason why he may, chose to show Worf out of costume. Sure. Like, because yeah, that if, it's a, so. If anyone not familiar with it were to watch this, they wouldn't like associate like, like oh, why is that? Anime? Everyone knows who Worf is. Yeah, everyone knows who. Yeah, everyone Wh- knows. Worf, Worf, Picard, Riker, Data. Yeah, if you were to if you were to ask a, a non Trek watcher to name some. Name a Star Trek character. Maybe they even, pro- they probably would say Worf. First. Maybe yeah, Worf is definitely like the one. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah, like and honestly, I think they're pretty much all from TNG. Like the big yeah. names, except for Spock. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they Sp- probably named Spock, Spock Kirk, Worf, Picard, mm-hmm. Riker. I'd yeah. say. Sadly, yeah. I don't think there's any women on the the most recognizable Trek properties list. No. No one, no one's going to drop a Kieran Nerys reference. <laughs> no, definitely not. I wish, I wish that we, they'd be dropping the Jed Zia Dax. Mm-hmm, yeah, no one knows. No one knows Kieran outside of. Outside maybe, of maybe you know what? Maybe seven of nine. Honestly, seven uh, of nine is seven actually seven of nine. Because yeah, she she was she became like Voyager. Yeah, she did. And yeah, she's pretty popular <laughs> with uh, of the lesbians now. <laughs> mm. Shout out to our lesbians. We yeah. we we also love seven of nine. It would be interesting, like if if you are able to, to just like if you have someone in your life that has no knowledge of Trek at mm-hmm. all, besides you know the cultural floatsum everyone picks up, right? Like to show them this episode and mm-hmm. see how it, how their reaction if they're able to, because like just yeah enjoy it as an episodic push of television and have mm-hmm. it resonate with them because so i'd be interested to know yeah. if, if anyone out there is like has that as that opportunity because i basically i think mostly my life is filled with people with people who have watched star trek <laughs> show, show it to your roommate <laughs> yeah <Patrick! laughs> but like um but yeah otherwise yeah a lot of people aren't that familiar with it but i, I think it is an episode it, d- it does deal with such such topics like i could see this being like a full full length feature film yeah yeah like, definitely like i think if it, i think it would have if they had given it more time you know, if they were given avery brooks like Let that, it marinate a little longer oh yeah this would have been like a good two-parter i think too they put, li- put some more mirepoix on that pot <laughs> let it marinate a little longer oh yeah I think I think he would have done the he, like it would have been amazing feature length film. Yeah, honestly. I mean, there's so many episodes of Deep Space Nine that could be amazing feature length films. That's true. Though. Yeah, you know, you could definitely do it with like um, in the pale moonlight as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 
Um, yeah. A couple of the Klingon episodes for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One, once more into the breach, it'd definitely be a fucking movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I would have cried my dick off. <laughs> my entire two Klingon dicks. The entire penis would Right off. Peni- peni would have fallen peni, off. Peni, yeah. But yeah, no. It's 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 yeah. But people should should watch it. Mm-hmm. I think they would get something out of it. Yeah, like Avery Brooks. Avery Brooks is is an amazing actor. No, he's, he, he fucking he is cooking in this episode. He really lets all, all it all loose in the final scene. He does. Just, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, he he jacks this episode off, man. Yeah, to completion. Mm-hmm. And then it does it again. Ruins him. <laughs> ruins the orgasm. Yeah. Does a does a ru- ruined orgasm? Mm. J O Y. Oh. Ru as an R O U X. Ruined orgasm. Yeah. Ruined. That's the that's that's on uh, that's on his dad's menu. <laughs> the the ruined orgasm. That's how the, the jambalaya is thick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You see, we we stick a little a little brown roux in there, and then I jack off into it. <laughs> I'm not eating at that restaurant. Yeah, you are. <laughs> well, no, I Especially can't. if Jake is peeling the potatoes, baby. I can't. I'm allergic to seafood, and I'm vegan. Oh. That, <laughs> but you were born in Maryland. I know. I'm, I'm allergic to crabs. How are you going to have a lobster roll? <laughs> we have crab cakes. Oh. Yeah, lobster roll is more Maine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got, we got the crab cakes made with Ritz crackers. Ew. <laughs> that sounds gross, man. No, I mean I only, I I I've never had it. I mean I think I did as a baby. That's how we found out that I had it out. But oh, because your parents tried to kill you with crab. They did. Cool. Yeah. Vomited everywhere. All, yeah. over, all, over, all over a restaurant called the Rusty Scupper. Oh. And they're like, Let, let's. Oh my God, let's take him home and feed him more crab. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so I don't even know the taste, but. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, glad you're still with us. Glad you didn't succumb to the crab. Me too. I mean, I know about your crab situation, <laughs> but is it vegan to have crabs? Probably not. Yeah, you can't get rid of them then. Um, and what about lice? No, you can't get rid of them. Oh, did you hear about the bed bug? I did. Thing? They think it's going to be a pandemic worldwide. Yeah, because like they had a bunch of bed bugs come into Fashion Week in Paris. Awesome. And so all the rich trendsetters and shit are just gonna go around spreading bed bugs to all the other hotels in the world. Yeah, and there's there's people taking pictures of them. Cool. And I, I stayed uh, in a hotel um, uh, nearby once when my car wasn't fixed in time, so I had to go stay at a hotel because mm-hmm. like I could I couldn't go back home. Right. <laughs> Didn't make it back to work at three a.m. Mm-hmm. But like um, I stayed in a hotel that had awful bed bugs. Yeah. And there, my feet were eaten up. Like yeah. they were just straight up eaten, and cool. I couldn't see them. They, they were they looked invis like it was like invisible. But people, the bed bug problem in Are France. Are you sure you weren't doing meth? I could have been scratching my feet, yeah, just yeah. obsessively. Yeah, you no, could have just been picking. No, I was just watching. I was watching uh, Hotel Star Trek, and mm-hmm. um, I always, you know, what I always get stuck watching in hotels, uh, impractical jokers. That's interesting. Yeah, by interesting you mean not funny. <laughs> I n- yeah, I never seen it. It's not funny. That's what I've heard. Like that's why that's that's the that's the implication I got from it. Like it's it's definitely like the lowest 
lowest denominator type of it, it is and the reason they i think they're so success, successful is they came up with a great idea in that they don't use a laugh track necessarily but they always have like a couple of their guys like playing a prank and like watching a screen of mm. some, some other guy and so like two three or four of them are always like laughing together and they mm. kind of laugh track it that way and i'm like that's us mm. that's sneaky because then people know where the laughs are supposed to be, even though this is objectively unfunny. I think it'd be funnier without the laugh track. I, th I think it'd be much funnier. <laughs> I mean, but then it wouldn't be funny at all. Yeah. I mean, then you wouldn't know when to laugh when it's supposed to be funny. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, we'll see. Uh, do you think they should have had a laugh track on Far Beyond the Stars? <laughs> no. That would probably have been... Like, I could see Paps putting that in. Yeah, I can see him being like, like, ah, this is this this is too much of a downer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck you, Paps. <laughs> fuck you, Paps. <laughs> you fucking racist scum. He would have been like, you know what? Put in a laugh track here. Yeah. yeah. I don't have a laugh track. I only have applause. Sorry. Yeah. And it is interesting. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is interesting. Like, yeah, he like Paps. There is no doesn't work. Doesn't go as a conventional type of story where you know, you see like the villain. Um, lose like mm -hmm. there's no Mark Ammo and um, and uh, Jeffrey Combs. No, no, all the villains win, and because that's real. They never face consequences. Yeah, yeah, it's real life, and you yeah. know, it's just like you know, those people are not punished because the they are part of the broken systems that exist that yeah. are bearing down on us, that are oppressive, that are racist and classist and homophobic and misogynistic and patriarchal. Unless you see. The fact, you know, you know, the the utopian future mm -hmm. as the eventual winning. Yeah. But it's like, because that's, that's, you know, ev the eventually, you know, 400 years in the future, like, mm -hmm. they were able to actually create a society that that works <laughs> and that, that has removed, that removed these things that have, like, plagued humanity for so long. And you can kind of look at, perceive it as that, as the win. Mm -hmm. but it's like but yeah just like with in Benny's story yeah you know just Benny's life immediate life yeah it was you know Paps can, has a job the cops can have their jobs you yeah. they continue to do racism mm -hmm. yeah but you know right. I guess it's, you know, it's it's hopeful that you know we get to that eventual future hopefully no it's can, not gonna happen <laughs> you can pray for a Star Trek future I, I hope I, I personally pray for a Star Trek future. As do I. I, I, pray, don't, I, pray I don't have the, any faith. I, I pray to the prophets. I don't have any faith in the heart, unfortunately. Yeah, I got I got I got lots of faith in the heart. I'm a personal pessimist, but a worldly optimist. That's that's good <laughs> to be, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, I'm, I I feel like I'm very George Costanza. Oh, then just, maybe you got to go against your your, your better <laughs> yeah. judgment. But I do have faith that eventually, eventually. We will, uh, we will have that Star Trek future. Mm -hmm. That's my hope. It's my dream. Eventually, you'll be able to jerk off in the cereal aisle in public again. Yeah. Again. And not get kicked out of Kroger. Yeah. All the Krogers. All the Krogers. I can do whatever I want. But yeah. That's, that's the red lining in your life. There will be a holodeck <laughs> that I can go into that I can't get kicked out of. That's my personal... I, I, I can have... I can... I can... I can 
seek out those sorts of of desires mm-hmm. in a holodeck where no one's hurt yeah where no one uh, and i can just to go in the cereal aisle and do that mm-hmm. without getting banned from a kroger yeah the kroger doesn't exist in the future a kroger doesn't exist only oh exists shit you're right kroger only exists in that holodeck oh mate who, who makes the shitty generic oatmeal then in the future <laughs> the state the replicator yeah shit can i order it shitty yeah cool Shitty oatmeal number five, please. Mm. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is shitty oatmeal number five. <laughs> <laughs> Got the brown sugar and maple in my life. <laughs> no, that's not shitty. That's a good one, man. That is the good one. Cinnamon and sugar in my life. Yeah, which one? One with raisins isn't nice. <laughs> Yeah, I guess guess just the plain with raisins. Yeah, who fucking it. gets the raisin one? And also the the cinnamon, the cinnamon spice or whatever. Mm. That one, that one kind of sucks. Yeah, it's all about the apple one mm. or the fucking maple brown sugar. That's true. Or or if if you can get it, like there's some some good like strawberries and cream. There's like mm. a good peaches and cream one. Mm. Uh, the, the one with fucking dinosaurs though. That that's that, that one's my shit. That was one that I had as a kid, like mm-hmm. uh, the one that had the dino eggs in it. And yeah. when you put hot water onto it, the dino eggs would dissolve. And if you put them up your urethra, they also dissolve and are very painful when and they then, come out. And then you give birth to the gummy dinosaur. Yeah, you end. do. Yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> the beauty of birth. I I have so <laughs> many children you just, in my, my, my bottom drawer. You just have the... Um, the Jurassic Park theme song playing in the background. <laughs> Somehow life uh, finds a way. And then he goes, then it goes. Fuck! Okay. Well, I think that's a great place for us yeah. to live it, talking about. <laughs> <laughs> the most monumental episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine of all time. Yeah. If you I'm put s- if you put the oatmeal dinosaur eggs in your dick hole, <laughs> you give birth to the little gummy Avery Brooks dinosaur. Please don't judge me because of this, but you know, just just, just I I love you. You know, you know he's loading the gun right now. Right? We're <laughs> we're fucking done, man. We love you. Like yeah. like you're an amazing actor writer director yeah this this is the best maybe the best episode of deep space nine Absolutely. hands down hands down it's fucking great yeah it's be revisited like all the all, all the heartstring episodes mm-hmm. the visitor that's the one oh, yeah great. okay yeah. okay yeah that one rocks yeah visitor rocks like also also one of my personal favorites is it's only a paper moon uh, yeah that one's pretty fun even though i'm not a big vic Mon- fontaine fan i love Vic. Fontaine. that that is a great episode yeah uh, i think it, yeah it's a, it's a great one to punch with the, the 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 disaster or the siege of whatever his ship was the mm-hmm. the episode right before that and mm-hmm. then uh the episode right after that it's only a paper moon yeah are a great two-parter great yeah. two-parter yeah. all about like a very big growth arc uh for um uh fucking not rom uh nog M- nog yeah, yeah. His son mm-hmm. very good very yeah. fucking good ptsd yeah so like it's a it's a fantastic episode yeah and, it deals uh, with war trauma uh, a lot better than something like i feel like uh strange new worlds has dealt with it yeah. recently 
Yeah, and it's it's great. Yeah, but it's like that's an episode that's hard to just show to a non-Trekkie because you have a space goblin and a um, hologram uh, working through PTSD in a 1960s casino. <laughs> so that's like no, that that tracks. Yeah, but it's just like you know, if you were to if you without con- the previous context of everything else in the in the series mm-hmm. to watch that episode on its own, you'd be like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, but, it, but it's um, imagine, but it's such a it's such a well written beautiful episode, and it's just like I feel I, mean, I do feel that would be harder to just show to anyone than than um, uh, far beyond the stars because I feel far beyond the stars there's enough like sort of like like cultural cues yeah with just like sci sci fi right right it, it also yeah it also harkens back to like another time and it, yeah. most of the episode doesn't take place in ds9 and mm-hmm. you don't need to know a ton about ds9 in order to get it no just that they're in a war they're losing a lot of people cisco has to face a lot of hard decisions in his life yeah this yeah because like yeah if you were to start this as a short story it would make perfect sense a hundred percent and um so yeah it's it's it, like yeah like for your non-trek friends show them this probably have to watch a little bit of ds9 to watch yeah. your non-racist yeah. Trek friends <laughs> and, and probably have a little bit more context to watch it's only a paper moon a little bit yeah yeah like at least <laughs> at least show them my my joi video before yeah 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 exactly yeah and then they'll get it then they'll get it yeah uh it's my joi video by the way is called only a paper cup because that's what you come in at the end woof <laughs> cool. Down the hatch. <laughs> it's just one of those little uh, triangular ones, like they have. Oh, the shitty, yeah, I got yeah. those at work. Yeah, yeah, they suck. They do suck. Whoever invented those is an idiot. Yeah, I mean, I can kind of see the the the, uh, the design of grabbing a cone, mm-hmm. and so you don't crush it when you pull it down. Yeah, I get that, but why not make it a cup? I have no idea. We have the technology. We have the means. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, you, I have cones at work, and then at the where I do, take my unicycle class, they have cups. Yeah, right? So, because they care about people. They care about people. Yeah. The cups are very tiny, though. I'm you, like, should, like, you should unionize and get <laughs> paper cups instead of cones. Yeah, I should. Yeah. Or go around, just strap them to your to your chest and be like, I'm Madonna, M- <laughs> M- Madonna. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and then we'll be like, wait, is that the guy that changed his name to Feature Feature <laughs> Toey? <laughs> uh, no, now not Feet again. And now, oh, it's all Feet Feet Toey over there. God oh, and it. what's that? He uh, he's now wearing a paper cup uh, cup bra. It's only a paper cup. It's only a paper cup. He <laughs> and watching a video called "It's Only a Paper Cup." He's fired, <laughs> <laughs> sir. We uh, we fired him six months ago. He just keeps showing up. No one. We keep trying to get the badge away from him. He's very. He's very. He's very slippery. <laughs> a squirrely one might say. Yeah, he's he's actually very nimble for his size. <laughs> and he's able to escape our grasp. That's why you always bring silicone lube with you. Yeah. Yep. And that's you. that's that's a big takeaway I think from this episode is you always bring silicone lube. Yeah. And uh, always unionize for cups. Always unionize for cups. Yep. The good paper cups. Well, thanks for hanging with us, Soyagers. Be well, travel safe, and absolutely go watch this episode. Yeah, far, far beyond, beyond the stars. The stars. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent episode. Highly recommend. 10-10. Mm-hmm. 100 out of 100. Mm-hmm. Actually, 110 out of 100. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Why not? <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for checking with us, Soy Boys, Girls, and Lily Beans. Hang dong and shocker.
Sí, sí, sí.